Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Surprise! We can do nothing wrong and yet not do the right thing. We can do nothing wrong and still not do the right thing. Well, how do we defeat this temptation not to change? See, the temptation not to change is very tempting. This kind of status quo is okay. What temptations would keep you from changing and following Jesus 24-7 so you could change your world? It's a good question, and today Pastor Mark helps us pinpoint the answer. He teaches that when Jesus says to come and follow him, it's not only a command, it's an offer. God never forces anyone to do the right thing. It's a choice. Most times, the biggest temptation in a person's life isn't to do the wrong thing. It's to not do the right thing. Not doing the most obvious things will send people to hell. What are the right things? Listen in to find out. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 5, with his continuing study entitled, Trials Are Trying and Temptations Are Tempting. So what is he tempted to say to Jesus? What is he tempted to think? Here it is. He's tempted to think that we know more than God. Now, Jesus, come on. I'm not rowing out there. There ain't nothing out there. There was nothing last night. There's sure nothing in the daylight. Are you here this morning and saying when God says, come on, we're going to do this? Come on, God. Are you crazy? No, this is the all-knowing God. This is the all-knowing God. So he, he can be tempted numbers of times. Here's what I'm trying to do. He's not murdering. He's not stealing. He's not committing adultery. But he's refusing, maybe, to do the right thing. Here's the next interaction in their comments. When they get out there, Jesus touches that water. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Ooh. And fish come Fishy, 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 fishy. They come from everywhere. And he pulls up the net crammed full of fish. And here's Peter's response. How did this happen? What was he tempted to do all this time? Here it is. He was tempted to doubt the supernatural. You see, if you're a Christian this morning and you're tempted to believe this, that the supernatural's gone, God doesn't do miracles today, he's not really changing people like he used to be, then you're in trouble because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And every weekend, 
Many people change and become Christians. That's the greatest miracle you'll ever discover. He's still in the miracle working business. By the way, you and I, if we follow him, we get to be involved in that. That's, that's amazing. That's what Peter's eyes are beginning to see. So don't put God in your little box. There's nothing you can do to help me. It isn't going to happen. Now next, Peter says, how did that happen? Jesus never answers the question. Instead, he basically says to Peter, Peter, do the right thing. Come and follow me. This offer of choosing to follow Jesus and doing the right thing, that's what Jesus does. That's how every single person becomes a believer. But Jesus knew this, that when he made that offer, some people would choose. The greatest gift you have is the ability to choose. God never forces anybody to follow him or to obey him. God knew that when he offered it, some people would accept, do the right thing. Some wouldn't accept. They wouldn't do the right thing. So here's a big temptation for us. Tempted not to change. What will Peter do when he says, follow me? You see, the biggest temptation in people's lives is not to do the wrong thing. It's not to do the right thing. At the end of the service, you'll hear a verse like this. The sin that will send you and I permanently to hell forever is a sin of not repenting. That's what Jesus says. It isn't that I was a murderer. I ripped people off my whole life. That isn't the sin that separates us from God. It's a sin of refusing to C-H-A-N-G-E, which means repent. Now, as you begin to think about that, what did Peter do? He followed him. We'll see that in a moment. What happened? Not only did Peter do that, by the way, Peter at this point, his name was Simon. Jesus not only changed him, he changed his name. Then we see him on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter throws out the net as he's preaching his first sermon. And what does he pull in as he's preaching the first sermon? 3,000 fish. People. What was he doing? Changing his world for Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, that's what we're supposed to do, is change our world for Jesus Christ. Now, I thought about this a lot. I don't have time to really develop it except to say this to you. What if Peter had refused to do the right thing and follow Jesus? You know what? We'd never hear any more about Peter. He wouldn't have written a book. You wouldn't know anything more about Peter because he would have refused to do the right thing. Not only that, he would have remained in that little village forever. One morning to the next morning to the next morning to the next morning. Boring, same, routine. If nothing changes, nothing changes. No challenge in his life, no change in his life, no impact on his world. Nobody wants to live that way. You don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. Well, if I'm not going to live that way, I have to change. And the reason we don't like to change is because it's all about me. Change is hard. But God never changes. I have to change. Now, I don't want to introduce you to somebody this morning. His name is Naidu. 
Now, Naidu, when he was a first and second year student, when you're a first and second year student in the seminary in India, uh, you, you go out for two months in the summer, and you just go out to a village, and you start evangelizing. Uh, there's no churches, there's no, there's just people, and you go out. So his first time, they sent him to a village, uh, like 25 hours away by bus, I mean by uh, train, and he's in this village, and he walks in, and this Indian man comes over to him, and he says, what are you doing here? The village would be about a thousand people, so you kind of get an idea of what it is. You know, 1.2 billion people in India, so they're everywhere. And the man says, what are you doing here? He says, well, I'm a Christian, and I came to uh, let the people know about Jesus Christ. He said, oh, no, you're not. He said, well, uh, I'm sorry, that's what I'm going to do. So he started sharing from little camp and little homes to little tents to whatever, sharing about Jesus Christ. That night, they imprisoned him, 18-year-old first time really away from home, in prison. GFA heard about it, sent somebody, got him released from prison. Then he sent them to another town, a little safer town. When he got to the town, here's what he discovered in the little town where he's going to minister. There were absolutely no facilities for potties. No outhouse, nothing. There was no electricity after a few hours, his cell phone died, and the nearest place to find electricity was about four or five hours away. Now, that's your normal start. How would you and I do with that? Why was he there? To change his world. Now, you and I don't live in India. How many say amen to that? Okay. I said to Nadu, how are you going to survive there? Do you, do you have enough money to survive? He said, uh, God will provide. And then I said to him, he's not married yet, so Linda and I, we've been praying, we, we lay hands on praying for, for a wife, baby. I mean, we, we're matchmakers over there. And I said to him, when you get married, do you have enough money to provide for you and a wife? He said, God will provide. I stopped asking. <laughs> they have faith that's amazing to me. You see, we don't live in India. But they're on their own, with God, following him to a world that's unfamiliar to us for sure. While I was there, flying back, God challenged me with this question. And here's what God said to me. You don't need to write it down. Here's what God said to me. Mark, how are you changing your world now for Jesus Christ? So I began to answer him. Well, let's see, I left pharmacy. Um, we started the, at the Seventh-day Adventists over here in the hotel, and pretty soon we went to school. Now we built this big campus here, and they got a Vieira. Hi, guys, from Vieira. We got Vieira, and we got the Sebastian one, fantastic. I'm, I'm doing just fine. He said, I'm not talking about all that. I said, what are you doing today to change the world? It challenged me so much that I had to bring it to you. You see, a role of a pastor is not only to be changed, but to challenge you. To be changed. Say, Pastor Mark, could you just go back to India? <laughs> Sorry. How are you changing now to be more like Jesus? I don't care you've been saved 42 years. I don't care you've been saved one week. What is happening in your life that you're more and more like Christ in your serving, in your giving, and all those aspects? Number two question, how are you changing your world now? You see, many people think it's, it's just the pastor's job. That isn't the pastor's job. For all of us, we need to be engaged, changing our world. Now remember, God isn't going to change. 
So I need to change. Change is exciting. It's fantastic. It's great. So turn with me to Luke chapter 5, if you will. And I want you to just think about those. Now, in Luke chapter 5, I'll go through it quickly. As things go on, look at verse 5. Jesus says to Peter, put out in the deep water. And Peter says this, Master, we worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. Watch this. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. When Jesus says to you, do this, you can do a little argument up front, then shut up. Just do it. When God speaks, obey. See, he will never speak the wrong thing. He will always speak the right thing. So if I want to do the right thing, I have to obey God. How can we say, no, Lord? I'm sorry, I'm not interested in changing. Then why are you a Christian? Something's wrong with your heart. Revelation tells us about a church that was like that. They were so busy for God, but they had no love for God. You don't want to be like that. Peter goes, doesn't really make any sense, but you're God. Okay, I'm going to obey you. He didn't know everything. As we go on, you know they caught this amazing fish. But I want you to see what happens in verse 7. This is huge to us. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats (laughs) so full that they began to sink. What does that say to us today? Peter could not do life just, listen, just with Jesus. I have to do life with Jesus. That's who I'm following. But life isn't just with Jesus. If Peter would have tried to take that boat in by himself, it would have sunk. So Peter has to have others. You should see where I'm going. You can't do life just with Jesus. We were not created to do that. So he has to get help from the other people. Today, we have this great temptation. Oh, not to rob, not to steal, not to murder people. We have this great temptation not to do the right thing. In other words, to do life alone. Don't do that. Thousands of you have plugged in. Thousands of you have joined small groups. But some of you don't get it. You're trying to take the boat in, and you're going to sink Now, there's a great challenge in the Scripture that God gives us on purpose. They're called one another commands. As you know, you're made as a body. A human body has all these parts. And in a moment when you get up, your mind's going to work on your legs and your muscles and your back and your hands, and you're going to get up and walk out. Now, if you have a stroke, some of that doesn't work. The body just doesn't function together. It's very difficult to have people help you. Well, the body of Christ is just like our body. We need each other. So he gave us these commands. And I want you just to look at them. There's 50 plus. I'm just giving you a few quickly. Here we go. Let's take a look. Ask yourself this morning, no, you're not murdering. No, you're not stealing. No, you're not committing adultery. But are you admitting doing the right things? Love one another. Love is a verb. There's a good one with love. We'll be hospitable. Do you have the gift of hospitality? Pastor Mark, I I wasn't in my genes. I don't have that gift of hospitality. Well, if somebody invites you, go. Well, sure, I'll go. How about you? Oh, no, I don't have that gift. Everybody should have the gift of hospitality. We should be encouraged to be in each other's homes. Invite there. Enjoy people. Could I hear an amen? Amen. From four more of you? (laughs) Next, serve one another. 
See, serving is not selfish. Some of you just need to find a way to serve. When you walked into any of our campuses this morning, you had smiling people in the parking lot and smiling people at the front door. Could I hear an amen? And they welcomed you in. Now, how'd they get out there? Well, we pay big bucks. And we covered the insurance in Obamacare. Now I'm guilty of lying, so I guess I have to... No, they're serving because they understand the command to what? Serve one another. Let's go quickly. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. If anybody needs to be encouraged, <laughs> we need to encourage. I don't, I don't need somebody to beat me down. Now, ask yourself a question. One another. How can you encourage one another if at the end of the service, I'm sorry, get, those of you that get your feet off the floor for just a minute, just lift your feet off the floor because I'm going to stomp all over. <laughs> How can I do these one another's when as soon as I say amen, Fastest I've ever seen you move, right to the back door, and you never come back till next week or three weeks from now. And there's no involvement with anybody else. That needs to change in your life. That needs to change in your life. Pastor Mark, how dare you say that? No, that's what God says. I'm sorry, I'm responsible to say what God says. How can you encourage one another if there are no one another's from the body of Christ? How can you share with one another? And by the way, in case you think this church is here to tear people down, this church isn't here to tear people down. This church is to bring people far from God to God and then restore them with the help of God. We're a restoring church. Don't think we're here to say to people, oh, you're not good enough, you can't be. None of us would be here. We're here to restore one another. And last, so many of you are doing this, just be generous. Be generous as God's been generous with us. Not only in your tithes and offerings, some of you just need to start doing that. But in, in your giving and, and in your serving and your gifts, every gift you have came from God. It's all there. Now, I want you to write this little word down quickly. This is a surprise to you, and that's why, we're, that's why I wrote the word surprise. Surprise, we can do nothing wrong and yet not do the right thing. We can do nothing wrong and still not do the right thing. Well, how do we defeat this temptation not to change? See, the temptation not to change is very tempting because kind of status quo is okay. Now, when we do the right thing, there's a promise from God. And I want you to show you this verse quickly. Here's the promise. It's found in John 15. And it says this, when you produce much fruit, Jesus speaking, you are my true disciples. And then he says this, this brings great glory to my father. Notice the progression of fruit. No fruit in my life. He's talking about spiritual fruit, then fruit, then more fruit, then much fruit. See, as you look at that line, that's called change. And it never, ever, ever stops. There needs to be a healthy change in our life, just ongoing, 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 because that's where the blessing is for me, and that's where the blessing is for us. Give, and it will be given unto you. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than as receive, and you guys get it. We got all these serving people all over at our campus. You're amazing. You know one of the number one reasons people don't come to church? Because they think we're after their money. Well, number one, it is not their money, but they don't know that. We're not after anybody's money. 
We just want to serve God with whatever we have. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That's how we do it. Now, when you begin thinking about this, look down in your passage right where you're at to the last part of verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Pastor Mark, I thought you said the key word was change the world. People are the world. In this whole parable, there's the importance of God, the importance of people, and how we use our time. Verse 11, it's a challenge to me. So they pulled up their boats on shore and changed. Pastor Mark, how do you know they changed? They left everything and followed him. Don't be afraid to change this morning. Don't be tempted to settle for less than God has planned for you. Nobody I'm speaking to wants to live a wasted life. Nobody wants to live and not change our world for God. You were designed to change your world. I'm going to give you one little thing to write down, and then I'm going to pray. It's one little passage. Numbers 9, 15 to 33. Let me give you the substance of what that is. Two million Jews going through 40 years in the wilderness. There's no church building yet, just a little tabernacle, kind of a tent thing. And God's presence would come there. And God led the children of Israel cloud by day and fire by night. So when the people got up in the morning out of their little tent and the cloud was moving away from the holy place, what did they do? They packed their belongings, put their tent together, and off they went. Two million of them. Now, God would do that. Sometimes a few days in one place, sometimes longer. But I love it when you read the passage. Every time God moved, the people followed. That's what you want in your life. That's what I want in my life. It's not complicated. God, whatever you want to do, however you want to move me, however you want to involve me in in my world right here, I'm not in India, I'm right here. How you want to do it? When you move, I don't want to do it without you. I'm going with you. That's what you want. Some of you are not a Christian yet. You've never asked God into your life. Or you have and you walked away from God. Let me show you. The greatest sin of omission. Here's the greatest sin of omission. It's not that you're a murderer. God can forgive that. He can forgive any sin. Except this one sin will send you permanently separated from God forever. Here it is. Jesus speaking. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins in return to God. See, you were made to be always be with God, but our sins separate us. So if you don't repent, you're not punished for anything but that specific sin. John 16:9 says, "The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me." There's only one reason that will change your life if you refuse to repent. You're separated from God forever. I know you don't want that. Now, when you do the right thing, you'll begin to experience positive change in your life. You'll go from producing no fruit to producing an abundant amount. Jesus tells us that when we produce spiritual fruit, we're his true disciples, and our lives bring great glory to God. Friends, if you really want to do life right, there needs to be an ongoing healthy change in your life you and those around you will reap the blessings. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Be sure and tune in next time on Lessons for Living. Pastor Mark will examine the outcome of choosing to believe God, submitting to His will, obeying His word, and living by His plan. It's not as difficult as some would think. Living life according to God's design only makes life function the way He intended. So be sure to tune in to learn about the blessings when you do and the consequence when you don't. Do your life right. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear